Welcome to the PRI Review, brought to you by the Population Research Institute. I'm your host, Christopher Manning. On February 24th, Facebook blocked a post linked to Stephen Moser's article featured in the New York Post addressing China's role in the coronavirus epidemic. The reason? The given reason, false information. The fact is that every single data point used by Moser to point to the Wuhan Institute of Virology as the source of the China coronavirus is true. Fact. China has a bioweapons program run out of two labs, the more advanced of which is the Wuhan Institute of Virology, WIV. Fact. Chinese agents have stolen dangerous coronaviruses out of North American labs and taken them to WIV. Fact. Chinese virologists working under the direction of the People's Liberation Army have genetically engineered at least one coronavirus to make it more infectious, reporting their achievement in the pages of the Journal of Virology. Fact. Chinese biotechnology labs, such as the WIV, have a history of accidentally releasing dangerous pathogens into the surrounding population. Fact. The Chinese coronavirus epidemic began in the city of Wuhan, the city where the WIV is located. The fact-checkers used by Facebook are a left-wing advocacy group which falsely accuses Mojer of writing a clickbait headline without any previous experience in the medical field. Well, Moser actually has an advanced degree in the biological sciences and has published in medical journals. More importantly, he is one of America's leading experts on China, is fluent in Chinese, and understands the crimes that the Communist Chinese Party has committed against its own people. In its criticism, healthfeedback.org, relied upon the opinions of Singapore-based researcher who has ties to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Typical of the behavior of left-wing hit-and-run fact-checkers, in general, healthfeedback.org has refused to correct the record. Facebook should discontinue using this credited group to fact-check anything. You're listening to the PRI Review from pop.org. We'll be right back. During these tough times living with the coronavirus, the Population Research Institute is working hard to save babies around the world. Our clinics in Africa are helping women keep their babies from the aggressive and well-funded sales force of the international abortion lobby. At PRI, we want African families to thrive while the merchants of death want to exterminate them. Yes, times are tough, but we're tough too. And PRI's message of life, liberty, and love is our inspiration 24-7. Would you like to help us save families all over the world? Just go to our website at pop.org. That's P-O-P dot O-R-G. And click Donate to PRI at the top of the page. Your donation will keep the message of life flowing in every time zone. 
Let's pray for each other, and we'll see you at pop.org. Do Democrats suffer from the real Chinese virus? Let's face it, America's Democrat left wants abortion, and they'll do anything they can to get it. China's got abortion and so much more. Socialism, all-powerful government, social credit scores, fines, jail, vivisection, or even vaporizing of political opponents. What's not to like? for the average American leftist. But how to get there? Simple. The road to American socialism leads through abortion. Take Joe Biden. It's hard to know if Joe believes anything anymore. It's pretty clear that his ambition hasn't decayed as much as his memory, but that's not saying much. In his debate with Bernie Sanders last Sunday night, mumbling Joe couldn't mention the word abortion. He called it health care. As Sanders forced him to fully endorse federal funding for all abortions, which he had once opposed. Look, Bernie is Bernie. He's a determined, simple minded commie. But Joe is different. He's just desperate. Frankly, Biden and Bernie talk like they don't believe much of anything anymore. They just shuffle across the stage, tossing tasty, good doggy treats to a melange of the left's eroding voting blocks. Please the feminist? Hey, Joe promises his running mate will be a woman. Please the minorities? How about a twofer? His first Supreme Court nominee will be a black woman. Offstage, one can just imagine the frantic campaign staffer trying to stop this perennial gaffer. Joe, Joe, what about Hispanics? What about Asians? What about the Inuits? Uh, wait, what about Focahontas? Massachusetts Senator Liz Warren, the lying, overambitious Harvard law prof, who's got a voting block all her own, with ambition to match. Well, wait a minute, isn't she an Indian? Well, she's one 1,024th Indian, at least. But Joe couldn't get away with calling her black, so maybe she's going to be his running mate. Uh-oh, there goes middle-of-the-road Joe. But contradictions don't bother Joe. He doesn't make distinctions. He's been pandering for so many years that thinking just confuses him. You can tell. Consider the endorsement of House Majority Whip James Clyburn, a member of the Congressional Black Caucus, guaranteed Joe's pivotal victory in South Carolina. So when Clyburn calls Trump a racist and a budding Hitler, Joe doesn't bat an eye. Hey, Joseph Mengele, call Joe's office. Speaking of Mengele, Joe's Chinese pal Premier Xi Jinping has made Joe's family multimillionaires. So don't expect Joe to condemn Xi's human rights record like Trump does. As for Clyburn, the brain dead have only one dirty word left in their lexicon, and yes, it's Hitler. But it's still... About Bernie. Let's go to Bernie because he's going to be indispensable in the fall, even though he's not running. Yet. Is he the dustbin of history, or is he the future? 
Bernie has a larger word count than Joe. Donald Trump is, and I'm quoting, a racist, a sexist, a homophobe, a xenophobe, and a religious bigot, he said just before dropping out of the race. Okay, well, let's examine what our socialist savior is up to here. Marxist Bernie has probably read Joseph Stalin because he's a Marxist. And Stalin's book, Marxism and the Problems of Linguistics, which explains that, channeling Lenin, words exist to further the revolution, period. Bernie is no dope. His outburst might merely sound like a rehash of the Bolshevik bloviator's Bible, but he is in fact sending a message to the Democrat base. And Joe's going to have to have that base behind him if he wants to win in November. Let's start with Trump as a racist. Now with this, Bernie confirms the sentiment of Senators Kamala Harris and Cory Booker and their backers that their presidential campaigns failed because they are black. Adopting the logic of America's Catholic bishops, Sanders alleges that Trump is a racist because most whites are. And that's a quote from the Bishop's Pastoral of 1979. Bernie is telling Booker and Harris and the rest of America that white folks are not going to stop being racists unless Bernie's revolutionary forces stop them. Make them stop. Now in this, Bernie speaks in the spirit of Premier Z, who is re-educating China's Uyghur Muslims and Roman Catholics to renounce their religions, change their Bibles and their Korans, or else. And or else means re-education camps for life, while their wives are being parceled out to Chinese men. In the words of Jean-Jacques Rousseau, Bernie's revolution will force us to be free. And that very phrase has become a central theme of the Marxist dialectic ever since. Now, consider Trump the sexist. On the surface, Bernie merely affirms the maxim that all men as well as most women are sexist because they don't renounce Beauvoir's trinity of bourgeois evils. Kinder, Kirche, Kirche. Children, kitchen, and the church. Those are the three bads to the feminazis. But wait, there's more. Bernie is also telling Hillary, Liz Warren, and Amy Klobuchar that their campaigns failed because not only whites, but most Americans are sexist. Us backward Americans would never elect a woman unless, of course, Bernie's revolution were to succeed and our sexism would be erased, along with our racism, in his progressive promised land. And that would be full of re-education camps, of course. Okay, well, moving right along. Trump the homophobe. Hey, Mayor Pete, my hometown mayor, now we know why you lost. Now, sane people know that if Pete had married a St. Joe High School co-ed, that's where he graduated from high school, first in his class in South Bend, if he were married normally, he'd still be sitting by the side of the road in South Bend. But here we see a key to ideology in action. 
Once you embrace the convenient lie, and these days it's usually sex, you have to accept the lie's consequences. So Pete's ego, which is also known as his perverted sex drive, will continue. In other words, Pete will not come to his senses. Listen, Rhodes scholars can be perverts too. Consider the brilliant Burgess spy ring in England during World War II. These high-achieving policymakers were all Soviet agents. They were also homosexuals and had been part of a homosexual clique since they were in what we call high school. Moving right along, Bernie's Trump as a xenophobe. Now this borrows more from Catholic bishop speak. Even though our open borders shepherds don't seem to believe in mortal sin these days, America first will resuscitate their moral outrage. Major League big times, George Bush and Dick Cheney once put it famously. On the practical level, this tells San Antonio Mayor Castro why his campaign failed. Only a revolution will force us all to be xenophiliacs, count on it, and Bernie will deliver. Finally, we come to Trump as a religious bigot, says Bernie. The only explanation for this addition to the leftist litany is that Trump prays. Well, isn't that enough? Now, so what if Bernie's America would be a world of woe? Americans would have to take a deep breath and digest the words of Chairman Mao. A communist must be selfless, with the interests of the masses at heart. He must also possess a largeness of mind, as well as a practical, far-sighted mindset. There's the real Chinese virus. Bernie's caught it. Will Joe? There's no secret that Joe is trying to peddle himself as a middle-of-the-road Catholic small-town Pennsylvania boy. And at the same time, he has to pander to the left-wing core supporters of all of those other opponents like Kamala Harris and Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker, all of them drum-beating at Biden from the left. If he doesn't go there, he doesn't go anywhere, and he knows it. Now, this is Bernie's message. He's helping Joe out, but telling him, you can't do without me, Joe. But here's his helping hand from Bernie. Let me begin by reiterating what I have said from day one of this campaign, and that is that Donald Trump is the most dangerous president in the modern history of our country, and he must be defeated, end quote. Joe Biden can't win unless he takes Bernie's blast to heart. He can count on the media, who will only increase their anti-Trump offensive. Their problem is the media have been so biased since 2016, and consistently so, that nobody takes them seriously anymore. And their problem will be Joe Biden's problem, too. He's been himself for so long, will anyone take him seriously anymore? This is PRI Review from POP.org.
We'll be right back. By now, we all know that Planned Parenthood is accused in the United States of allegedly violating the law by, among other atrocities, selling baby body parts. But what you might not realize is that Planned Parenthood's affiliates, Planned Parenthood Federation of America, PPFA, and International Planned Parenthood Federation, IPPF, are still getting away with murder overseas. Around the world, and especially in Latin America, the baby-killing giant shades the truth about its abortion-related activities. It runs roughshod over local anti-abortion laws and violates local pro-life sentiment, all with seeming impunity. But not anymore. With your tax-deductible gift, PRI will throw the book at the abortion giants overseas, just as pro-life groups are doing here at home. Did you know that PPFA spends about $38 million a year lobbying to legalize abortion in countries around the world? If they're successful, they can kill as many, if not more, babies overseas as they do in the United States. But there's a hitch. Because abortion remains illegal in most Latin American countries, neither IPPF nor PPFA is eligible for government funding for abortion-related activities as they are in the United States. So PPFA, IPPF, gets around it as only they know how to do, by lying. With a wink and a nod, they disguise the programs they are funding as, quote, education or health programs, women's rights, human rights protection or promotion, and anti-discrimination initiatives aimed at protecting vulnerable groups such as women or LGBTs, that means lesbian gay, bisexual, and transgender, end quote. Catholic bishops throughout Africa and Latin America complain about this. They call it ideological imperialism, but their voices are not heard in Congress because America's bishops depend on billions in government funding for their own charities. They don't want to bite the political hand that feeds them. Now, PRI receives no government funding, so we aren't hampered by golden handcuffs. That's why your tax-deductible gift to PRI is so important today. As the lead group investigating Planned Parenthood's activities overseas, PRI's Latin American office has uncovered PPFA's thinly disguised efforts to undermine pro-life laws and legitimate abortion on demand. But we've only found the tip of the iceberg, and there is more work to be done, work that we can't do alone. Your tax-deductible gift will help PRI hire a seasoned pro-life legal team to help us expose, investigate, and prosecute Planned Parenthood's affiliates everywhere they prey on women, especially overseas. Together, we'll expose, investigate, and prosecute PPFA and IPPF everywhere it tries to hide the truth. This two-prong attack, complementing the hearings taking place in Washington, will force Planned Parenthood to fight on two fronts— What better way to strike a blow against the real Planned Parenthood, the one we saw in all those horrific videos, than to come at them here and abroad? So please make 
a tax-deductible gift to support this and all of PRI's baby-saving efforts around the world. Yes, they're powerful. Yes, they're big. But remember David and Goliath. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Forty-eight pro-life organizations from across Latin America and Spain, including PRI Latin America, have signed a letter thanking U.S. President Donald Trump for his pro-life leadership and for his administration's commitment to defending the right to life on the international stage. The letter was signed by 49 pro-life leaders representing organizations in 16 countries, including Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, Nicaragua, Panama, Venezuela, Ecuador, Colombia, Peru, Brazil, Argentina, Paraguay, Chile, Bolivia, Uruguay, and Spain. In the letter, leaders of Latin American pro-life organizations congratulated President Trump on his speech at the 2020 National March for Life rally in Washington, D.C. on January 24th. The pro-life leaders thanked the president for his strong support for the right to life in his March for Life speech, and they commended President Trump for calling on Congress to pass legislation banning late-term abortion at the point when unborn babies can feel pain. This year's March for Life was the first ever to be addressed in person by a sitting United States president. The Latin American pro-life leaders also thanked the president for his willingness to take a stand for the unborn, both domestically and internationally. They praised the administration for taking tangible steps to defend the right to life at international organizations, such as the Organization of American States, known as the OAS, and the United Nations. The letter extolled the Trump administration for denouncing sexual and reproductive rights language at the OAS and the United Nations, language which pro-abortion advocates interpret as implying a right to abortion on demand. Sexual and reproductive health and rights language is often used at the UN and OAS to pressure pro-life countries into legalizing abortion. We commend your efforts and those of Vice President Pence and Secretary Pompeo to protect Latin American sovereignty over our pro-life laws, the letter read. The Latin American pro-life leaders also thank the Trump administration for withdrawing funding from the Organization of American States, a regional organization that has long attempted to pressure Latin American countries into legalizing abortion. Last year, on March 26th, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo announced that the Trump administration would be withholding $210,000 from the U.S. assessed contribution to the OAS on account of pro-abortion lobbying exhibited in recent years by the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights. That commission is an organ of the OAS with a mandate to monitor and promote the observance of human rights in the Americas. Assessed contributions are funds that member states are required under treaty to pay to the organization. Funds that the OAS receives through assessed contributions are then budgeted to various organs of the organization, including that commission. According to the Department of State, the funding cut is equivalent to the estimated share of the U.S. government's assessed contributions to the OAS 
that are used for abortion-related activities carried out by the Commission. Secretary Pompeo has made the decision to cut funding to OAS citing the Siljander Amendment, a little-known clause in Congress's annual budget bill which prohibits U.S. foreign aid from being used to pay for activities that lobby for or against abortion. The State Department found the Inter-American Council on Human Rights to be actively engaged in lobbying Latin American governments to legalize abortion, and it was determined that the commission was ineligible to receive U.S. funding. Now, the Siljander Amendment has been included in every state and foreign operations appropriations bill since 1981 and is one of more than half a dozen provisions in the annual federal appropriations bill that prohibits U.S. government funds from financing abortion-related activities. The administration's withdrawal of U.S. funds from the OAS for abortion advocacy was a long-awaited step that gives enormous support to our fight against the imposition of the abortion agenda on our countries, the letter from Latin American pro-life leaders read. Secretary Pompeo's strong stance against OAS pressure to overturn our national pro-life laws has been unprecedented and greatly welcomed by our countries, they emphasized. Human rights bodies and organs at the UN and the OAS routinely engage in activist reinterpretations of international human rights treaties and agreements in an attempt to invent new rights never agreed to by member states. Human rights bodies and organs at the UN and the OAS routinely use their positions of authority to subject pro-life countries to derision and pressure to decriminalize and legalize abortion on demand. For instance, in 2017, the UN Human Rights Committee attempted to take Article 6 of the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, the article of the Convention which guarantees the right to life for every human being, and tried to reinterpret it to mean that states must provide legal abortion in cases of rape, incest, maternal health, fetal disability, and in cases where continuing a pregnancy would cause substantial pain or suffering. Human rights bodies at the UN and the OAS and pro-abortion NGOs routinely subject pro-life to chastisement and warnings that failure to legalize abortion puts them out of step with international human rights standards and treaty obligations. This despite the fact that no international human rights treaty recognizes a right to abortion and despite the fact that abortion remains illegal under most circumstances in many countries. And I quote, In recent decades, the OAS has been infiltrated by pro-abortion activism, says Carlos Polo, director of Population Research Institute Latin America and one of the pro-life leaders who signed the letters addressed to President Trump. Polo continues, The Commission and the Inter-American Court of Human Rights are made up of a pro-abortion majority that is determined to reinterpret Article 4 of the American Convention on Human Rights, which protects life from conception, end quote. Now, in recent years, the Inter-American Commission on Human Rights and other organs of the OAS have engaged in blatant promotion of abortion and attempted to pressure sovereign Latin American governments into legalizing the killing of the unborn. 
In 2017, the Commission applauded the government of Chile for legalizing abortion in cases of rape, fetal disability, and the health of the mother. The Commission supports the legalization of abortion under broad circumstances, stating, and I quote, Decriminalizing abortion reaffirms women's ability to decide how best to deal with the consequences of a pregnancy based on their convictions and their circumstances, end quote. Now, in 2018, the commission called on the government of El Salvador to decriminalize abortion and to ask the Salvadoran government to amend legislation that currently bans abortion in all circumstances. According to the commission, decriminalizing abortion is necessary to bring El Salvador into line with international human rights standards, end quote. Also in 2018, after the commission conducted its country visit to Honduras, the commission chastised Honduras for its laws protecting the right to life for the unborn child, saying, IACHR condemns the fact that the Honduran state still criminalizes abortion outright. Once more, in 2018, commissioners also held a public hearing with representatives of the Argentinian government and pro-abortion NGOs on the benefits of legalizing abortion during a time the Argentine Congress was engaged in a heated debate over a legislative bill that sought to legalize abortion. At the hearing, the commissioners attended the event lobbied for the legalization of abortion, stressing that the government must ensure access to abortion in cases in which it is legal in Argentina and that Argentina must bring its abortion rights regulations into compliance with, and I quote, international standards and treaty instruments. With respect to the Trump administration's pro-life leadership at the United Nations, the letter from Latin American leaders specifically thanked the administration for spearheading the joint statement at the United Nations high-level meeting on universal health coverage last September. In the joint statement, the United States and 18 other nations officially denounced the promotion of abortion and the use of sexual reproductive health and rights language in UN documents. The joint statement declared that sexual and reproductive health and rights should not be used to promote pro-abortion policies and measures. Last November, the Trump administration again reiterated its opposition to abortion and to sexual and reproductive health and rights language at the International Conference on Population and Development at its 25th anniversary summit in Nairobi, Kenya. There, the U.S. delegation, along with 10 other nations, declared that they do not support references in international documents to ambiguous terms and expressions, such as sexual and reproductive health and rights, which do not enjoy international consensus. End quote. This past January, the Trump administration took its pro-life leadership to a new level, when the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Secretary, Alex Azar, hosted foreign health leaders from 35 countries to form a united coalition of nations in opposition to the promotion of abortion at the U.N. and the International Four. And I quote, I am sure you are all familiar with the constant drumbeat in the halls of the U.N. and the WHO to normalize the term sexual and reproductive health and reproductive rights, Secretary Azar said in his address to the representatives of foreign governments at the Blair House this past January. It is increasingly 
becoming clear that some UN agencies and countries want this to mean unfettered access to abortion, and we cannot let this threat go unanswered. In addition to taking a stand against abortion language in international fora, the Trump administration has also taken steps to defund pro-abortion NGOs abroad. In 2017, President Trump reinstated a vastly expanded version of the Mexico City policy as one of his first acts as president. Under the current administration, the Mexico City policy applies to nearly $9 billion worth of U.S. global health funding. The policy blocks U.S. global health grants from funding foreign NGOs that perform abortions or promote abortion in foreign countries. For decades, organizations like IPPF, Marie Stopes, Pathfinder, and many other pro-abortion NGOs have been working to change pro-life laws in Latin America, and these organizations have long been funded by American taxpayers, Carlos Polo said. But today, we see Donald Trump is reversing the economic and political support that Democrat presidents like Barack Obama have given to the abortion industry. This has been the PRI Review from the Population Research Institute at pop.org. Thanks for listening.